You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. National Signing Day, LSU basketball tonight, and we say goodbye to a legend. Welcome into Crunch Time here on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and World Series champion Houston Astros. Matt Miguez here. The game hotline is 337-706-0111. And here in Acadiana, you can watch us on the simulcast Stadium 32.3 and Channel 133 on LUS Fiber. My producer and co-host is the one and only Mr. James Mesh. James, good afternoon, sir. How are you? Doing all right, Matt. How about you? Uh, absolutely fantastic, sir. February 1st, it's cold outside, as it should be this time of the year. You know, there was that stretch in January where, you know, it'd be in the 50s one day, and then it was pushing 80 the next, and then it was down to 30 overnight, and it was like, this is ridiculous. January and February, it needs to be in the 40s. It needs to be cold outside. So I'm glad that we are actually getting the weather that we are supposed to be but you know looking at top stories it was announced this morning by Tom Brady that he is retiring quote for good ending his 23 year NFL career that saw him appear in 15 Pro Bowls win seven Super Bowls he was a three-time league MVP he was a five-time Super Bowl MVP 2009 Comeback Player of the Year. He is on the Hall of Fame Decade team for the 2000s and the 2010s. Uh, He was a two-time Offensive Player of the Year, and he was a three-time All-Pro. Thomas Edward Patrick Brady, some of the nicknames that he went by, TB12, Tom Terrific, Touchdown Tom, The Pharaoh, Comeback Kid, or James, you ready for the best nickname Tom had? Sir. Sir. That's according to Pro Football Reference. So, and look, I hate Tom Brady's guts. I do. And and I, I think part of it is because he was so good for so long. You just you just say the longevity of how good he was and how often he won. The guy was never bad. I hated the Patriots, and, and I think it's because... Every year you knew what was going to happen. You envied because you were like, why couldn't the, why can't the Saints do this? Right, right. They were either going to make the Super Bowl or they're going to lose in the AFC title game. But they were always in the Final Four every single year. And it got old. But I mean, you look at Tom's numbers. In his career, 251 and 82 as a win-loss record. That's disgusting. He has three times more wins than he does losses. Mm-hmm. That's disgusting. You look at his touchdown-interception ratio. 649 touchdowns, all-time leader, by the way, to 212 interceptions. He has three more touchdown passes than he does picks. He has a career completion percentage of 64.3. Pretty good. He has a yards per, yards per attempt average of 7.4 for his career. I mean, the guy's the GOAT. He's the GOAT. He has more Super Bowls than any franchise. 
Think about that. The man, if he'd have played football in the NFL much longer, he was going to need a third hand to wear all his Super Bowl rings. He was going to need a third hand. And again, I, I, I hate him. I always thought he was a whiner. I thought he was constantly complaining, a, a lot like Tom Brady. I mean, LeBron James. But the guy's good. He knows how to win. And, you know, this officially ends our era of quarterbacks. Drew Brees, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning. Ben Roethlisberger. Eli Manning. Eli Manning. Philip Rivers. Philip Rivers, yeah. I mean, that, that, that was the QBs of the league. And then Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan and Aaron Rodgers was the next step. Yeah. But, I mean, that was those were the guys when you and I were growing up. And, and so for all six of those quarterbacks to now be retired, it's a, it's a little sad. I'm not even going to lie to you. Um, but, look, it, I've said it for a couple months now that I thought Tom was going to retire. I think it was time. What, what else? I mean, you, you heard me ramble off his statistics just now. What does he have to prove? At this point, he was playing for fun. He had nothing left to prove. He had nothing left to... He owed nobody anything. I think it was just time for him to say, you know what? I'm 45 years old. I've played for 23 years. I think it's time to walk away. You know why he retired? Why did he retire, James? He didn't like the 2023 script for him. Oh, my God. You... That... That is so, and obviously I know that most guys are starting to play along with it. Like Kamara and Arian Foster. You see, you bring up Arian Foster. Dude, I watched that interview mm-hmm. with PFT and Arian Foster. Yeah. Arian, I think Arian Foster really believes that the league was rigged. I, I, I really get that sarcastic tone from both of them. Like, PFT had said it, and then Arian was like, yeah, man, I, I'm going to add on to it. And like... Could I believe that parts of the league, like certain aspects of the league, could be a little scripted? Sure. Like, do they have a plan for things? But at the beginning, like they were saying, at the beginning of the season, you get a script for the whole, like, look, week two, you're going to pull your hamstring. Like, how do you purposefully pull your hamstring? That doesn't just happen. Tom Brady didn't like that 2008 script. Like, that's not how that works. It's like Kyrie trying to tell people the earth was flat. Antonio Brown definitely didn't like that wild card script. No. In no. 2016. Mar- Marcus Williams didn't like that 2018 script either. No. Or 2017. 2017. 2017. It was, it was, by the time the yeah, playoffs the, the happened, it was The game was 2018, but the 2017 season. Yeah, he didn't like that script either. Um, Aaron Hernandez didn't like his script. Oh, God. No. <laughs> Dude, no. Not no. A, that, uh, I feel like there's a lot, quite a few players that are like, I don't like this script. No. Why I got to do this? I, 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 th- I think that's a load of crap. Um, and then Camara Kam- was funny. I'm going to give Camara his props. He, he retweeted the video and he said, man, I almost walked out of the facility when they handed me the script for this year. <laughs> I mean, that, that's funny. That's just good. Um, but yeah, I mean, Tom Brady... We, we agree that whether you love him or you hate him, he's the greatest quarterback of all time. People like to try and make arguments, and it's like, I mean, you can always make an argument for whatever, but 
to me, to me, it's pretty foregone conclusion. And, you know, I, I've seen a lot of people say, "Oh, nobody's ever going to win seven Super Bowls again." Can we say that though? Because I'm pretty sure. I, obviously, I don't know this for certain because I wasn't old enough to pay attention to these types of conversations when Tom Brady's career started. But I can almost guarantee you that before Tom Brady, the conversation was nobody will ever win seven Super Bowls. But now Tom did it. Everybody was flabbergasted that Charles Haley had five. So who's to say, you know, Patrick Mahomes stays healthy for the majority of his career? You telling me that guy can't win seven Super Bowls? You telling me that guy can't be the next Tom Brady? God, and the Saints were that close. That close. You wanna you wanna hear some other WTF stats? Sure. Tom Brady has at least twice as many Super Bowl appearances as any other quarterback. The next closest in toll appearances to a Super Bowl was John Elway at with five. Tom Brady, Tom Brady has more playoff wins, 35, uh-huh. than 27 of the other 30, or of all 32 franchises. The fact that Tom Brady played in 10 Super Bowls is nuts. That's insane to think about. And Eli beat him twice. Yeah. Eli beat him twice. And Nick Foles beat him once. Oh, I don't even it's like, know. It's like, I still don't even know how that happened. It's still wild to me. Tom Brady has more career passing yards than Joe Montana and Steve Young combined. No. There's yeah. no way that's true. By over 16,000. There's no way that's true. Joe Montana and Steve Young haven't thrown for as many yards as you would think. That's so wild. Because you remember, they didn't throw as much in those areas. Well, right, right. Um, Tom Brady has more playoff wins after his 37th birthday than any other QB won for his entire career. Brady also won more playoff games before his 37th birthday than any other Q- QB in his entire career. The, the dude to the goat. I can't stand him. I'm not, I'm not done. Tom, oh Brady is the, Tom Brady is the only quarterback to start in a Super Bowl after turning 40, and he's done it three times. <laughs> Tom Brady has more touchdown passes since turning 30, 504, than Aaron Rodgers has thrown his entire oh, okay. career. We get the point. We get the point. Wait, and I really want this one's really funny. Tom Brady's red zone stats as a Buccaneer: sixty percent completion percentage, over eleven hundred yards, seventy-nine touchdowns, one interception, zero interceptions. The one was in the playoffs. We're looking at the oh, regular, regular season. And then between Tom Brady's first and seventh Super Bowl, Tro- Troy Polamalu was drafted, played a twelve-year career. And was inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame between that time. So 17 years. Mm-hmm. That's wild. <laughs> That's wild. Tom Brady's the GOAT, as much as it pains me to say that. Uh, speaking of quarterbacks, there was also a major story coming out today. We talked about it yesterday with Brock Purdy's torn UCL. We, we talked about how there were two options, and he was he was needing to get a second opinion. It was either six months or... 12 to 18. Obviously, there, there's one that's better than the other, correct? Well, Brock Purdy got the latter. He needs Tommy John surgery and will be out at least a year. That is soul-crushing news 
for a Mr. Irrelevant that had one hell of a rookie season. That is just, I mean, that's career altering. It makes that Niners QB room very interesting now because Kyle Shanahan came out and was like, we don't think Jimmy's, Jimmy Garoppolo is coming back. So at this point, Brock's going to be out for the year. Jimmy's gone. Trey Lance, if he, if he doesn't show the progress that Kyle Shanahan wants to see, it's like, but what do you, are you going to have to do? You have to go find a vet. That's that's going to be interesting. I mean, I don't know how many vets. Because like it, it, if Trey Lance is crap in the bed, and you got all this talent on your roster, you're not just going to piss it away. Because I mean, what you going to do? Trade for Rodgers? Sign Derek Carr? Well, I mean, you have to trade for Carr too, unless they release him. Because that's basically what they're going to do. If they can't find a trade partner, they're not going to they're not going to bring Carr back. No one's going to trade mm. for him. Then you just got to release him. I I don't know what choice. I don't know what choice the Niners really have at this point other than roll with Trey Lance. Because, I mean, it's going to take a lot to get Aaron Rodgers. The Packers aren't just going to let him go for nothing. Well, no, they're not They're not looking to trade him to an NFC team at all. Well, that's, that's also true. So, I mean, Derek Carr would probably be your best bet. Oh, that's rough. That is a rough time to, to be a 49er now. With, with Brock Purdy out for the next 12 to 18 months. Trey Lance, all aboard. <laughs> we'll take a time out here on Crunch Time. When we return, we'll talk more about the top stories in sports. Plus, you'll hear from Bob Marlin and Gary Broadhead right here on The Game. This is Crunch Time on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. The game is throwing you something far better than cheap plastic beads this Mardi Gras. That's right. Score a $500 Visa gift card. Just download the game mobile app, open the app, and click on the Mardi Gras Moolah tab, and you'll be on your way to winning $500 in a Visa gift card. It's the game's Mardi Gras Moolah sweepstakes. Download the app, win money. It's that simple. And it's all from the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Got something to say to Miguez and Mesh? Hell yeah! It's easy. Just call the hotline by dialing 337-706-0111. Now back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. So James, I don't know if you know this about me. I'm a uniform guy. I love sports unis. I love when teams release new ones. I love when teams do throwbacks. I judge I judge the hell out of sports uniforms. Okay? The Kansas City Chiefs announced yesterday that they will be wearing white jerseys in the Super Bowl. And it is the first time that they will wear white in a playoff game in Patrick Mahomes' career. If the if the Chiefs are wearing white, James, I'm telling you right now, the Philadelphia Eagles better be wearing all black. They better be wearing all black. Either that or a, a one of the green throwbacks. Break out the green throwbacks with the bright green helmet with the white eagle wings on it. That that would be solid. That would be solid. Don't don't tell anybody about it either. Just run out of the tunnel the night of the Super Bowl. That would be, oh man, that'd be fantastic. Fantastic. Welcome back to Crunch Time. 
21 after the hour. The game hotline is 337-706-0111. Looking at some more top stories in sports, the New Orleans Pelicans fell once again last night. James Mesh, are we surprised? No. <laughs> there it is. Not at all. There it is. They fell 122 to 113 behind 36 points scored by the Nuggets in the third quarter. Cotton. They look they look good to start off. They were they were getting assist after assist after assist. The the Pelicans would really love to just do away with the third quarter. Third, it, third quarter is not their friend. It, it, it has really hurt them all season long. It has really hurt them all season long. He choked up, he choked up on that one. <laughs> it kind of hurts. Um third quarter. <laughs> Nikola Jokic. I mean the the question is the dude, the dude got to his triple double midway into the third quarter, if I'm not mistaken. And instead of what can he do, the question with Jokic becomes what can't he do? He handles the ball, he mm-hmm. shoots, mm-hmm. he drives, mm-hmm. he rebounds, he blocks. Like what 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 in basketball can Nikola Jokic not do? Jump. But he doesn't have to. He doesn't have to. Foot. He's seven feet tall. I know. This is so funny. Hey, look. Reach. I'm dunking. Tiniest, cool. tiniest floater in the game. 26 points, 18 boards, 15 assists. Their offense is so easy. Give it to Jokic in the paint. When everybody crashes, kick it out to Jamal Murray, drop the three. And he couldn't miss last night. All game long. He couldn't miss. That's the mantra all game long. Yeah, Jamal Murray at 32. 10-21 shooting. I mean, what? There's a reason that the Denver Nuggets are the best team in the Western Conference. They're 23-4 and inside Ball Arena. Pelicans have now lost nine in a row. They are 9-17 and so far away from home on the season. They're now at 500 at 26 and 26. I, we, we've talked about it on, on this show a couple times now. B.I.'s back, and obviously it's, it's going to take a couple of games for, for Brandon Ingram to get in to the swing of things. He had 16 points last night on 5 of 17 shooting. But, man, I, I'm going to tell you, when Herb Jones is scoring 21 points, now, I love Herb Jones, but Herb Jones is not your go-to offensive option. So when Herb Jones is scoring 21 points, something is off with your basketball team. Herb had 21. CJ had 21. That's great. Brandon Ingram had 16. Trey Murphy had 14. Larry Nance had 13. And Valanchunas had 10. The biggest problem for this team, and it's the same problem that they have suffered for years and years and years now. Eight of 27 from downtown. Eight of 27. You don't have three-point shooting. You don't. And all season long, everybody's been, that's going to be the downfall of the Pelicans. And sure enough, here it is. You can't shoot 33s a game if you're not going to make 10 of them. You just can't. That's a recipe for disaster. And the thing is, Jose can shoot. 
CJ can shoot. Trey can shoot. But they're streaky. That's the issue. Man, they, could, they could they could easily be five for seven, but then they could very easily be zero for eight. I'll I'll and be it, honest and, with and, you, and it's on an all night basis. I'll be honest with you. Some of the threes that CJ was putting up last night were ugly, ugly. Like I I wasn't sure I wanted him to be shooting kind of ugly, like hitting the back of the rim, grazing it off the backboard instead of even hitting the rim, like just. Ugly, and then Bi's still trying to get back into his groove. Yeah, which he's you know he's still he's like still I, trying to find his shot again. Like I said, you know that's going to take time. It's going to take Bi a couple of games to fully get back into the rhythm of things. So look, the fact that he scored 16 points last night, I think that's a step in the right direction for the Pelicans. But again, we we talked about it the other day. Everybody else has to step up in some sort of way. Now, there's a rumor that the Pelicans are looking to go get OG Ananobi. I think that would be a great move for the Pels. OG can do a lot. He can shoot. He's a good defender. He's tenacious at the rim. He's a good player. And I think he would fit right into what the Pelicans want to do. And, oh yeah, he's young. There's, there's a trend with the Pelicans. I don't know if you've noticed. They like young guys. They're setting up for the long term. They might not be great this year, but oh boy, five years from now, Pell's going to be nasty. But for right now, you got to get back in the wind column. You I'll, just have to. I'll slide you Jackson Hayes, Devontae Graham, and a pick. For OG Ananobi, I would even throw in Larry Nance. And that's tough because looking at Larry. He, oh, I like Larry. He, he tried his hardest last night. Larry's Larry's been a good player for the Pels. He has. But you need offense. Mm-hmm. And some, you, you're going to have to give up something to get a guy like OG Ananobi. Because here, here's the thing. There were a lot of bricks last night from the Pels, and we saw it. But Larry Nance was coming in put, yeah, he shot, putbacks. He shot 6-7. to seven. He, he had that nice putback dunk right on Jokic. Yep. He had a, he had a good night. Maybe Willie Hernan Gomez. But if you give it up Jackson, I don't know that I want to give up Hernan Gomez as well. So that's a that's a tricky slope because I know the Pelicans are going to try to avoid giving up draft capital. But, I mean, they might have to throw in a second or two to, to make that deal tie in. But it'll be interesting to see how the Pelicans, you know, pull that off if they're even able to. But James... Do you do you agree that OG Ananobi provides a instant spark to the Pels' offensive game? I mean, yeah, three and D guy. That that would surely help because imagine you have a lineup of Herb Jones and OG on the same side. Yeah, I mean OG's only twenty five. Mm-hmm. I mean that's great. He's got ten years left. He's averaging sixteen points a game, seventeen points a game this season. He's hurt right now with a wrist injury. Uh, he's been out actually a, a couple weeks now, but the the guy's a good player, and for his career, averaging eleven point three points per game, I think he would be a really good piece for the Pelicans, and would hope that you don't have to give up a ton in order to get him. Uh, looking at a speaking of while we're staying on the topic of basketball, 
Looking at the WNBA quickly, Brianna Stewart joining the New York Liberty with Sabrina Onescu. They have become the new super team of the WNBA after Candace Parker joined the Las Vegas Aces earlier this week. Uh, Jimmy G and the Niners, like we talked about earlier, likely splitting in 2023. And then Matt Rule is suing the Carolina Panthers for $5 million in a severance dispute of sorts. Uh, he feels that it was a $5 million arbitration suit and offset severance compensation. He's seeking the money he believes that the Panthers still owe him after he was fired in October. Man, sometimes guys just, it's never enough, right? They paid you $29 million to leave. Now Nebraska's going to pay you $72 million over the next eight years. And it's just not enough. I don't get it. I'm telling you right now, if somebody handed me $29 million, I don't know that I would ever work a day in my life again. Twenty-nine. You know what I could do with $29 million? Oh, my God. It, uh, how, how is that not enough? Just shut up and move on. Like, don't be a crybaby. You're going to sit in Nebraska for four years, lose, and they're going to pay you to leave. That sounds awesome. I, I kid, of course, a little bit. We'll take a timeout. Jay Walker joins us next for Cajun's Corner right here on the game. Going deep downfield. He's got a receiver. It's caught. Touchdown, Louisiana. Can't get enough of the vermilion and white? Then you're in luck. Here is the Cajun's Corner with the longtime voice of the Raging Cajuns, Jay Walker, on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Oh, Jay Walker, how are you, sir? I was doing fine until I heard uh, that last promo about show us how much you love us with bad music. That was kind of creepy. I mean, our, our promos are good, Jay. Yeah, for the most part, they are. But they, you know, I just, I just didn't like the music selection. <laughs> just, just, just a little creepy. Jay, Jay Walker has been a music critic for for a very long time. Uh, Jay knows music, man. That's all I'm saying. So, uh, you know, the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. We'll start with men's basketball. Eighteen and four now. I mean, let's go back to Saturday night. Uh, you know, let's go back to Saturday night because I, I wish I wish I'd have had my phone out to take your picture. Okay, first of all, your picture at halftime when they were done nine, down nineteen, and then the picture after the game was over with. It was like two different Miguez dudes. Oh, it, it totally was. At, at, <laughs> at halftime, I'm sitting there. They're down forty nine to thirty, and I was like, "This team's done. Like, they're there's they're not coming back from down nineteen at the half." And then, sure enough, they did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you had you had the angry Miguez face, and then you had the ecstatic Miguez face. That was good. I, I love that Jay Walker notices the two different faces of Miguez. So, I, I get, and I get to go tell everybody you're two faced now. Oh my god! Now looking <laughs> looking at the game, you know there was there was a lot going into this game. Jordan Brown missing the Thursday night game before against Troy. You weren't a hundred percent sure what type of you know game he was going to be able to have. And then, you know, again, the the first half, Georgia Southern just couldn't miss. I mean, they were shooting 70% from the field, 66% from downtown. 
And then in the second half, it just seemed like they flipped a switch and they got it down to, you know, eight, nine points early. And then you tied it by the 10 minute mark, took the lead, and then never gave it back. Just kind of talk about the game as a whole and what really stood out to you from your vantage point. Well, you know, the, the, the first thing was, you know, anytime you give up 70% shooting, the first thing you do is say, well, you didn't play very good defense. And, and you know what? That's probably true. But, you know, sometimes, sometimes they throw up stuff and it goes in. And sometimes they do it a lot. Look, let me tell you that what we saw out of Georgia Southern in the first half, let me tell you, my good buddy Danny Reed, who does the, the games for the Eagles, I guarantee you he hadn't seen anything like that all year long. Uh, they're, they're not a good outside shooting team, uh, statistically speaking. Um, they were not a team that's going to go out and score 49 points and a half, but, but they did. Um, in the second half, they, they missed some shots. I think the Cajuns guarded better. I think, um, you know, I, I, I go back to this, and, and, and most folks say, no, that's not true. But, you know, at halftime, there was something that happened right before the half, okay, where, where a ball got loose and the officials didn't blow the whistle to stop the clock, and about 12 or 13 seconds ran off the clock before Georgia Southern inbounded the ball, and so the shot clock was off, and they scored right at the buzzer when the Cajuns were trying to play two-for-one at the end of the half. Bob Marlin lit up the officials, lit them up, and it was over by, you know, where – where they leave it to go to the locker room. But I was watching, and he was letting them have it. And I honestly thought that coach was going to get a technical and we were going to start the second half with two free throws. That didn't happen. So did I. What, what did happen was the Cajuns in the first 10 seconds of the second half got three calls, including the inbounds play to start the second half when Georgia Southern had possession. And now we can talk about were those two incidents related or were they not related? All I know is I saw both of them happen. Now you can draw your own conclusions, but you know, when you're down 20 and you got to have to go, you say, okay, make up a point a minute. And you know, 20 sounds like a lot, but a point a minute doesn't seem like that much. Well, they had, they had that made up like in 12 minutes. Um, they just, they just played great basketball. And the thing that impressed me the most they turned it over one time in the second half, once. Yeah. And and the other thing that impressed me was at the end of the night, you look at Themis Folks's line. He had eight free throws in a row down the stretch, and he played the whole night without a turnover. And and nights when Themis can help you in both of those categories, you're going to win most of the time. And, and, you know, the statistic that stands out to me from that game is you scored 64 points in the second half. And yeah. that was that was more than eight Sunbelt teams did the entire night. Isn't that crazy? I mean that that that's you know that that's that's pretty nuts. And so yeah, it was uh it was that kind of a night and it was a very entertaining game. Um, you know, Coach Marlin said afterwards that he thought the crowd played an important part. I agree. I think that the that the that the team not only responded to it, but interacted with them. You know, when when the when the rallies were happening, you get a couple of eleven nothing runs or whatever it is, and and the players on the bench are turning around and they're they're encouraging the crowd. 
you know, you like stuff like that. And and so yeah, it was uh, it was all really good to see. Yeah, the, the the crowd was absolutely fantastic Saturday night inside the Cajun Dome. But you know, Jay, we, we've talked all season long about the togetherness and the camaraderie in this group. Do you think that uh, this might sound like a cliche question, but do you think that played a factor in the comeback Saturday night? A friend of mine um, made a comment uh, after it was over with, said that he watched the team head to the locker room. And there was nothing in the body language of the team that would indicate that they were losing. Um, I, I think, you know, look, when, when you're down 19 at half and you're, and you're sitting there at, what, 17 and 4, um, and, and, and you lay an egg uh, in the first half, and eggs are expensive right now. Um, and, and your team says, Okay, and they don't point any fingers. They just go and they say, okay, uh, we're, we're going to make this up. We're going to be fine. Uh, I think that alludes everything to, to the chemistry on this team. Chatting with Jay Walker here on Cajun's Corner. Looking ahead to the matchups this week, Texas State tomorrow night inside the Cajun Dome, and then Marshall on Saturday. Texas State is, a, is an opponent that you've already played, winning by nine on the road just a few short weeks ago. What can you take away from that road matchup? Uh, you know, what's going to be the similarities tomorrow night? Um, maybe nothing. You know, I, I don't know. And, and I checked with uh, my good friend Clint Shields over at Texas State. He doesn't know. You know, the big question is, will Mason Harrell play tomorrow night? You know, he missed, he missed the game uh, against the Cajuns. And... You know, the Cajuns miss Jordan Brown, and what do you have? You have other guys step up and you still win. Mason Harrell is one of those players on his own team that's irreplaceable. And and you can go ahead and, and, and play other guys, but they don't have anybody that can do what that dude can do. And so I, I think if he plays tomorrow night, um, I, I think that's an equalizer. I mean, this is a kid that was preseason first team all conference. He's in the top ten all time in scoring at Texas State. He's a little five nine dude who can beat you shooting it from twenty three feet in, uh, or can slash to the basket. He can he can dish the ball. Um, he's been out the last three and a half games with a rib injury. Uh, and we don't know if he's going to play tomorrow night as of right now. I'm sure that the, that the Cajuns have to prepare like he is going to play. But, um, but he can be a game changer. And Texas State's a weird team. Okay, this is a team that they're 4-5 and five or 4-6, and six, whatever it is in the league. But um, they've played better on the road than they've played at home this year, and I have no explanation for that. Now, Jay... After that, you go to Saturday, and, and there's just a, a ton of of speculation and excitement around Saturday's game with Marshall being, you know, one of the top four teams in the Sun Belt coming into the Cajun Dome. It's Senior Night. The Cajun Chicken returns for the first time in 20 years. I mean, the the crowd in the Cajun Dome Saturday night should be rocking, right? Yeah, especially if they win on Thursday. Um, you know, Marshall has never played at the Cajun Dome. Cajuns have played in Huntington a couple times. Uh, but Marshall has never played here, and I, I think that you know it's a you know in, in, in that regard it's it's something that's very new. You know, Marshall um, Marshall's good. I mean, make no mistake about it. Marshall is good. 
um, the the five guys that they put out there to start the game. Um, gosh, they might be the best starting five in the league. I mean, you've got you got Kinsey, who's averaging about twenty two a game, and he's also averaging about five assists. Uh, per game, not a great outside shooter, but you take the ball to the rack and he's got good size. And then you got a couple of guys in the wing who can really shoot it. And then you got a seven-one kid in the middle. That's a freshman that they had no idea was going to be as good as he is. Um, and then they've got a, a, another big kid that's a returning player. Now they they you know six maybe seven deep, but um, but they're awfully good now. And if you're waiting for him to you know, get winded and fall down. Um, Kinsey, I think, has played 10 complete games this year where he's played all 40 minutes and their double to overtime loss against ULM. He played all 50 minutes. Um, these, these guys, I don't see a drop off them playing Thursday to Saturday, kind of like what you see with ULM. Um, this is, this, it's going to be a war. This, it, this is going to be a really good game on, uh, on Saturday. And uh, but you know what? You got to take care of Thursday first. You know, I think the women are kind of in the same boat. They got Troy coming in on Saturday, but first they got to take care of ULM. So there, there, there's no looking ahead for either one of these teams. They got to be focused on Thursday, and then they can be focused on Saturday. Yeah, let's talk about Gary Broadhead's group for a little bit. You know, they the the win streak that they're on right now has been almost as impressive as the streak that the men have been on putting themselves back in in the fold in, in the top four or five in the Sun Belt? You know, I was talking with uh, with Kevin Foote a little while ago because they were having a, a presser thing here at the office with the, with the National Signing Day stuff. And uh, before Coach Des got here, he, he, we started talking about Gary Broadhead's team, and, and we both agreed that when we saw about the first five games of the season, when they couldn't score more than 45 points and they couldn't shoot 30%, we wondered if this team was going to win five games this year. And But they're shooting it better. They've kept working. This team's playing with a little more confidence now. They're more cohesive. And one thing Gary's teams always do is they defend well. And now we've gone from, gosh, I don't know how many games they're going to win, to they got a shot at a double bye going into the conference tournament. Now, who saw that coming when they when they were getting beat by thirty and 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 not being able to shoot thirty percent? This team has come a tremendously long way, and man, kudos to the coaching staff, and kudos to these players for not hanging their head and continuing to bring their lunch bucket to work every day, um, because this has turned into a pretty decent basketball team. That, like I said, they they got a chance to. Uh, to play their first game in the quarterfinals. Nobody thought that was going to happen uh, in mid November, mid to late November. Now, Jay, now that we're in the month of February, that means that baseball is just 16 days away. And knowing the baseball guy that you are, you, you have to be excited about this team and this season, right? I'm always excited for the season. I always dread the first three weeks because we're in the middle of the overlap and you know somebody uh asked today would i be willing to, uh, to to write an article for a magazine but they need it by february 23rd and i wrote back and, and i thanked them for thinking about me but i had to decline because in those first 23 days of february 
I've got something to do on 18 of them, and 12 of them are away from home. So um, I'm, uh, you know, I'm going to miss uh, I'm going to miss the the season opener uh, over down at, at Rice. Those three games. Um, I'm hoping I miss the Campbell series because that means that the Cajuns are playing deep into the conference tournament. I hate not being able to be in two in two places at once, but of course I'm looking forward to the start of the season. I mean, I, you know, I, I I have never run away from the fact that my favorite sport to cover is baseball. My favorite sport, period, is baseball. And so when it's time for the season to start, I'm always excited, and I'm excited about this team. You know, I think we talked last week about you know the the questions that I have going in, um, and and we've discussed that. But this team is going to be a lot of fun to watch, I think, Matt, because they're going to be good defensively, and they're going to score a lot of runs. I'm looking forward to Fan Day on Saturday. I'm looking forward to Home Run Derby. I'm looking forward to a little inner squad and and just you know visiting with the players a little bit. Hopefully, uh, the... you know, baseball season's about here. So is softball. Look, I'm I'm excited. I'm always excited about spring sports. Men and women, this year's no different. Hopefully, the weather holds up for Fan Day on Saturday. Uh, weather weather's going to be fine. You got like a five percent chance of rain and temperatures. Well, it's going to be a little chilly. Temperature will be high. Temperature will be about sixty. But I think this time of year we can we can handle that. The rain chances must have dropped. The other day I looked at it; it was about forty five fifty. But hey, I'll I'll take a I'll take a a drop in the rain chance. Jay Walker joining us here for Cajuns Corner. Jay, appreciate you as always, bud. And we'll talk to you again next week. I look forward to it. Thanks for having me. Go Cajuns. This is Crunch Time on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Now that you scored an Amazon Alexa or Google Home smart speaker for Christmas, use it to listen to the game Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Just ask Alexa or Google Home to play the game Southwest Louisiana, and it's that easy. So do the smart thing and have the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles with you at your office, your home, and everywhere you go. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update, presented by Tibbs Trailers here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Poll question of the day. What is your reaction to Sean Payton being traded to the Broncos? Was it great? Saints got picks. Was it good? But you could have wanted more draft capital out of it. Do you think it was sad because you you wish him well and you're just upset that he left? Or are you just relieved that it's finally over? 38% leads towards it was great. 23% leads towards it was good, but there, there could have been more out of it. 17% are just straight up sad and wishes nothing but the best for him. And then the other 21% are just absolutely relieved. I, I think it was great. I mean, I don't know what more you could have gotten out of a, a guy that you got. I saw Ralph Marlborough put it perfectly. You got two top 64 picks for a guy that hasn't coached you in over a year. How do you lose? Where, where, do, you, where do you lose? Now, would you have liked to have kept your third-round pick in 2024? Sure. Sure. But, but sometimes uh, you got to give up. You got you got to throw something, you know. When, when a team's on the fence, like, uh, do we really want to get this deal done? Look, I'll throw in a third if you sign it right now. And okay, you, you you you're always gonna think like, oh, I, 
I wish I got more out of it. Or like if, if you're ever making a personal deal yourself, you're like, oh, we could have got this. You could have got that. It's like, why are you worried about that? You should just be happy that you were able to get something out of it anyway. Yeah. Sometimes sometimes you just have to say, you know what, if I have to throw in a third to get the deal done, then, you know, it is what it is. And then just be able to cut ties and just Correct. get it over with. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll just do it. Because you still got a first round pick out of it. Because I'm telling you this, I would have rather given up a third and gotten the first and second that we got than... Sean goes back to Fox for another year, and then you get nothing. Yeah, or he waits two years and just correct doesn't go at all. So we we get we get nothing. Um. So yeah, I mean, and and absolutely, I'll take the first round pick and then and then a second in in twenty twenty four. You know, looking at our number two, we're going to preview LSU versus Missouri with our guy Koki Riley. We're going to talk more about Tom Brady as well as Brock Purdy. We have LSU baseball audio to get to, as well as Louisiana basketball with Gary Broadhead and Bob Marlin. That is all coming your way in our number two of Wednesday's edition of Crunch Time. As a reminder, on the game hotline, 337-706-0111. We want to hear your thoughts on the Sean Payton news, Tom Brady National Signing Day, anything in between, we want to hear from you on the game hotline, 337-706-0111. Hour number one in the books, hour number two coming up next right here on the game. It's 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Hour number two of Crunch Time is live right here on the game, Southwest Louisiana sports station. And you're home for the LSU Tigers and World Series champion, Houston Astros, Matt Miguez, James Mesh. The game hotline is 337-706-0111. And here in Acadiana, you can watch us on the simulcast Stadium 32.3 and Channel 133 on LUS Fiber. In hour number one, we talked the Louisiana Rage and Cajuns. We also touched on Tom Brady retiring, as well as Brock Purdy missing the next year and some change undergoing Tommy John surgery. But before we get back to that and into a couple new topics, James, I've got a question for you. In the world of sports, what is the biggest oxymoron you've ever heard? Like the biggest phrase that the two words together just can't be true. What is it? Mm, I'm kind of stumped right now. You want to know what mine is? I'll tell you mine. A Lakers fan. (laughs) Doesn't exist. There's no shot. That's not a thing. The Los Angeles Lakers. Historic franchise, right? Have won the second most NBA titles, or actually the most NBA titles. They're tied for first. in, In NBA history. But man, that might be the most fair weather fan base. And I'm saying that as a Saints fan. That is a fair weather fan base. Now you got you got your select few in a corner that ride or die with the Lakers. And that's great. But man, the last couple years where the Lakers have struggled, you have seen a lot of people talk crap on the Lakers. And a lot of it has to do with LeBum. 
and I'm going to refer to him as LeBum. I've, I, I just don't get it. I, I don't get it. And, and you know, I, I bring this up a lot, and I just... So LeBron, as an athlete, probably one of the greatest athletes we have ever seen. But man, I, I, I got to tell you, and this is just my personal opinion, I would respect his basketball game so much more than I already do if he didn't whine so damn much. I mean, again, we'll bring we'll go back to that Lakers Celtics game over the weekend. The dude literally threw a two year old tantrum. Threw a fit like a little child on national television. Like why? But I, I I've run a mile off the track here, but. Looking at you know some of the stories that we've we've gone over already today. Again, Tom Brady announcing his retirement after 23 years. Uh, some people, including Mark Ingram, calling it the greatest career ever in sports. I mean, the the numbers back up: 15-time Pro Bowler, seven-time Super Bowl champ, five-time Super Bowl MVP. I mean, you you can't disagree with it love him or hate him, it, it's probably one of the greatest careers you've ever seen in sports. Now, you, you look at Tom Brady as a guy who's who's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. There, there's no way he's not. Drew Brees, probably a first ballot Hall of Famer as well, if I had to guess. Um, Can't really argue with that one. The question in, in that group is where does where does Eli Manning fit in? Oh, Eli. when does when when does Eli Manning fit into all of this? Because you know you He's and I certainly have, not a first ballot. You and I have differing opinions on if Eli's going to be a Hall of Famer or not. Because you don't you don't think he's done enough to be a Hall of Famer, correct? I mean, I know the reason why he's going to get in, and the only real reason is because he won twice. He won two Super Bowls, and they were both against Tom Brady. Correct. But it's like, other than those two performances, overall his career was kind of just slightly above average, which to me isn't Hall of Fame worthy. But I know because of the two two Super Bowl wins over Tom Brady, it's going to get him in. Now It's not going to be a first ballot. It's going to take a couple years in my eyes. Like I, I think they're going to put him in relatively early. I'd presume within his first five years of eligibility, they'll put him in. Now, is J.J. Watt a first ballot Hall of Famer? I think it's close. I don't think necessarily it is, but I think he would be, if he's not a first, I I would believe he'd be more of a second. Isn't it crazy to think of potentially two first ballot Hall of Famers retiring within days of one another? Because, I mean, it wasn't that long ago J.J. announced his retirement, what was it, two weeks ago? It was it was a few weeks ago. It was it was like with a few weeks left in the season. Or no no no, no. it was it was about a month ago since he had done it yeah. like right right towards the end of the season. Yeah, it was like the second to last week of the season he announced that he wasn't going to come back. But you know, JJ Watt probably the best edge rusher in NFL history. He's he's one of one of the best. Um Tom Brady obviously the greatest quarterback to ever play. Maybe you could say the greatest quarterback to ever play because 
will anybody ever touch his records? I don't know. But I'm again, like I said earlier, with the seven Super Bowls, I'm sure people didn't think Drew Brees would touch those records or Joe Montana would touch those records or whoever. History is always meant to be broken. Records are made to be broken. So will it maybe be 10, 15 years before we see somebody break Tom Brady's records? Yeah, probably. But it's going to happen. Just like Wayne Gretzky. You, you know, you look at hockey and you look at how long Wayne Gretzky's held that goals record. I, I don't know how many of you watch hockey, but I got to tell you, Alex Ovechkin's coming for it. He's only 80-something away. He's coming for it. Look at basketball. Look at Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's all-time scoring record. People thought that would never be touched. It's about a week away from being broken. Only got a couple games left. LeBron's coming. As much as I hate to say that, LeBron's coming. Speaking of basketball, earlier this week, Gary Broadhead and Bob Marlin met with the media to recap the week that was for both the Cajuns and basketball programs and Bob Marlin gave his thoughts on the upcoming week with matchups against Texas State and Marshall. Another milestone accomplished but we've got a heavy challenge this week with Texas State coming in a team that's played better and won three road games already. They won their first three road games of the season and uh, at James Madison at South Alabama and then at Arkansas State. So they're road tested. We had a tough game with them a couple of weeks ago. We, we know what to expect on Thursday. Thursday will be our uh, DEI game, diversity, uh, equity, and inclusion. It'll also be our racism game, honoring John McClendon and the North Carolina Central team that played Duke in the secret game. Uh, and our guys will wear black uh, uniforms this week. To, to represent those two causes. Louisiana Raging Cajuns now on an eight-game win streak. Coach Marlin was asked what has contributed to that win streak and what can keep it going. Well, there's some intangibles there. We're not defending the way we need to. Uh, and, and recently we struggled to score, to shoot the ball a little bit. But uh, low turnovers has, has been good. We've, done, we've gotten back to we, a couple of the games in the streak. We turned it over high volume. But the, the other night, Saturday, we have one turnover. We have six for the game. And we have one turnover the last 1941 of the game. You know, Jordan got one stolen, and after that, we don't turn it over. I mean, that's pretty impressive. So in that type of game, and they've got great athletes. They're very good defensively. They're changing defenses on us. So I thought that was important. But there are intangibles that help us win. You know, rebounding was key the other night, free throw shooting. But it seems like we're able to step up when one goes wrong and compensate with something else. And then flipping over to the women's side of things for the Cajuns, Gary Broadhead, his team back from their two-game road trip at Georgia Southern and at App State, he told the media earlier this week that he realized this past weekend that his team enjoys being on the road. No, but I mean, I think it's a it's a growing process. You know, I, I think you always were right. You know, as I, I, I do really like listening to y'all because it really was for, you know, eight, nine, ten years, you know, you go on the road, you split, man, especially with the teams we've had and all that. And it's really hard. But, you know, I think 
this team right here is more rather be on the road than because I mean that's what we did in in the March in the month of November we were on the road and so I think we have more control of what we do you know we're you know we eat breakfast together we do shoot around together we do everything together where when we get back you know as soon as practice is over you know it's like but there are some late night night people so we got to learn that and I think I think we learned that you know uh, being on the road and being around each other I think you kind of grow closer so but you're right I mean to get those two wins I got an uh, email from somebody saying you know not just two wins on the road but two Sunbelt wins you know that's another big thing so when you can do those kind of things there's you, you're hoping your program grows and I feel confident you know as that we're getting better and you know other people are kind of stepping up so hopefully we'll have more numbers when we get to the tournament that buy would be important I think for the number we've been playing but you know if these kids keep on improving especially the younger ones that should help us down Coming off of two big wins on the road, like I mentioned, at Georgia Southern and at App State, Tamara Johnson was kind of the leader for this group. You know, 11 points against Georgia Southern, but Lene Wheaton goes down with an injury. She couldn't play against App State, so Tamara Johnson really stepped up in Boone with a 22-point performance. Gary Broadhead talked about the play of his forward, Tamara Johnson. She just looks confident. I don't know if y'all ever noticed, though, when she shoots, she's smiling. I've never had a player smile like that while she's playing. And I was like, I don't know if she's laughing at the opponent or smiling at the opponent or just her, but it is just her demeanor and stuff like that. But great kid, you know, she works extremely hard, you know, to get where she is from coming from LCA, being more of a kind of like an inside player to, it, it, you know, kind of expanding her game to the three. I mean, she shot the three really well. And she's shooting it pretty well for us uh, in general, you know. But she's worked really hard. So it's good to see that, you know, kid works hard, very coachable kid. So a Lafayette kid that uh, comes in and really makes a huge difference uh, to our program. But, yeah, I think the consistency starting to come and her confidence, I think that's one of the things that I'm noticing. She seems to be more confident in in what she's doing and then on the back end of that talking about Lene Wheaton's health where does her health stand at the current moment really because the way she got hurt this last time uh, was toward the end of the game she drove and slid and the girl kind of hit her on her ankle so I mean you know it's just one of those things that you you know and to be honest with you man her knee looked way better than I thought it was going to be you know I, I thought she might have been hobbled a little bit you know when you come off an injury and you, you I mean you shooting jump shots like she did that night I mean you couldn't even tell that she had anything that that was there so you know again you know it's uh is to me all of them got to get tougher you know I mean you got to find I mean I really want to call Kansas City and see what they did with uh, Mahomes, you know. I mean, look at him. He toughed it out, you know, and sometimes we got to learn how to do that, you know. Now our day and age at the college level, it's a little bit tougher, you know. Mahomes did tough it out. Guy's different. Tamara laughing at her opponent, that's funny. Dude, uh, and, and he's not wrong. If, if, you, if you look at their games, when she, when she spots up to shoot, she's smiling. And, and again, you know, maybe she's just a happy-go-lucky type of person smiling all the time, and that's great. But, like, sometimes it looks like she's looking at her opponent like, ha-ha, got you now, two points. Idiot. Idiot. Two points. Idiot. Idiot. <laughs> that's, it, it's, it's really so funny. It, it really is. 
uh, the Louisiana Ridge Cajuns women's basketball team will host ULM before the Cajuns host Texas State tomorrow night. Doubleheader in the Cajun Dome. The women tip off at 5, and the men will follow at 7.30. We'll talk LSU baseball and a local high school product potentially going to LSU next year. We'll break it all down next. This is Crunch Time on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. If you need help taking your lady out for Valentine's Day, the help you need can be found inside the game clubhouse. Score $150 to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse at Cyber's Bayou Casino Resort. $50 to Richard Seafood Patio in Abbeville. $40 to Misfits Dine and Drink in Broussard. But wait, there's more. $25 to Mabel's Kitchen, also at Cyber's Bayou Casino Resort. But now the question that you're asking is, Matt, how do I score one of these great gift cards? It's very simple. Join the game clubhouse, 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. And the best part, it's everybody's favorite four-letter F word. It's free. So go sign up today. Let your voice be heard. Hello. Give us a call on the hotline at 337-706-0111 and speak your mind. Yellow. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 521 here on your Wednesday. Welcome back to Crunch Time. Matt Miguez. James Mesh, the game hotline is 337-706. 0111. That's 706 0111. Friday LSU baseball held their media day. Tons of expectations for this group. Unanimous preseason number one. Couple preseason All Americans, including the future top overall pick in center fielder Dylan Cruz. Uh, just again, a ton of expectations, tough schedule. What can you expect from the Tigers? Jay Johnson opened the press conference with his opening statement. Uh, good to see everybody. Uh, it's great to be back and rolling, uh, starting official practice today. I think it's been a really good um, off-season, fall, winter break. Uh, our players have done some great things uh, preparing, and uh, hopefully you will see the fruits of their labor as we get back on the field and some transformation um, in them as individual players, us as a team, and and frankly, as a program. Jay Johnson also elaborated. He talked about the impressive fall that the LSU Tigers were able to have. He talked more in depth about his players improving during the fall season. Looking out, like you, expectations uh, for us are, are real simple. It's maximum effort towards preparation and towards executing what the game requires for the team to be successful. The player can't do that if they don't know what to do. And I think um, most coaches, and this is a very general statement across sports, most people know what to do, but the key is the how to do it for the player. And we had a great fall practice session where I think we scrimmaged or played the two fall games. We had 23 times that we were able to play in that that fall segment. And so the players got exposed. And so what you do with that is you take where they are you take where you want them to get to and go, and then the middle part of that's important, the how to do it. So they need to know what to do, and then you have to lay out a plan for how they do that. 
Speaking of high expectations, like we talked about earlier, unanimous number one, multiple preseason All-Americans, a great season in the SEC last year that you just need to build on now. Jay Johnson talked about how he is looking to raise the bar with even higher expectations. I think uh, that's a daily thing. Um, you know, I think it was very foundational of like what to expect, um, being a very fundamentally sound team. And then like, okay, what does that mean? And then the discipline it takes to actually do that. Um, I feel better about that. Uh, the competitive level, valuing winning, um, you know, having this idea that teams can prepare for what we do, how we pitch, how we hit, but they can't prepare for the competitive nature of the group. And I think at times you saw a lot of that. I think not just the roster will elevate that, but the opportunity for those players to really understand what that means, you know, competing on the road in the SEC with, you know, some of the top programs in the country, you know, being in the NCAA tournament, you know, in a one-run game that's going to advance you to a super regional or not, um, they have a little better idea of, I think, what that means. And then, you know, a character piece where it's just about the player's ability to make good decisions on and off the field. Now what we have is you have a group of returning players that were chosen to return here that have full understanding of what that looks like that can model that that younger players can emulate. Then you have players that were freshmen last year that this is all that they know, you know, how we run September, how we run fall practice, what the expectations are in December leading into the season and then competing. And that's the same thing now with the freshman group or new players that have been brought in. So you find yourself working instead of like explaining a lot. And I think that will really benefit the productivity of what we're able to get done. James, let's talk about our 20 questions video that just got posted to our YouTube channel. Okay. What about it? You wronged me. I wronged you? You wronged me. How so? You threw me a player uh-huh. that people had forgotten about, myself included. That's your fault. I mean, Calvin Ridley hasn't been discussed in a year. In a year. He was suspended for betting on games. People stopped talking about him. He got traded, and then got, people started talking about him. He got him. traded, people talked about him for a day, and then stopped talking about him again. Like, I'm going to be completely honest here. I forgot he even got traded to Jacksonville. Well, it's funny because there, an, there was another player that got mentioned that you forgot. Yeah, LaVisca Chenault. I know. I'm aware. Which, if you haven't gone seeing it yet, it's on our YouTube channel. We've also posted on our Facebook and Twitter it's, if you want to go check it out. It's quite funny, and if you enjoy them, let us know, because James and I will probably continue to do them. Uh, and and we, we got a good one coming for you later this week, because I'm a hockey guy. I love the NHL. I could sit here and talk NHL for the entire two hours of this show if, I, if y'all let me. I really could. James, on the other hand, doesn't know a whole lot about the NHL. Um, can I can I pick on you for a second? You, sure. <laughs> sure. You thought Sidney Crosby was a goalie. I could have sworn. That's what I heard. I could have I could have sworn. Like when I was before I worked here and I was listening to the station, I thought I had heard some guy on like CBS talking about Sidney Crosby. Maybe I just like heard Sidney Crosby in the conversation, but they were talking about a goalie. So I was like, oh, Sidney Crosby's a goalie. Okay, that's cool. 
<laughs> I think they were also talking about the Golden Knights. Yeah, that's a team in Las Vegas. Yeah, yeah, I know. So I thought I was like, okay, well, Sidney Crosby's like a goalie for the, <laughs> for the Golden Knights. No, he is a center for the Penguins. Yeah. Um. So with that, James stumped me. I'm going to try to stump him. We're going to play 20 questions NHL edition. I'm, I promise one of those questions is going to be over under on three and a half teeth. And that's, that's, that's a fair, fair. That's a that's fair, fair question. question. Um, and look, I'm not going to, you know, give you some, you know, some Joe Schmo bottom tier guy that's just barely on the roster, which like, I didn't do either. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to do that to you. I gave you a very relevant player. It's, it's going to be a well-known player. But since you don't pay attention to hockey, it's even going to be a struggle for you. Yeah. So it's going to be fun. If anybody listening has input on who the player should be, DM me on Twitter at MiguezMatt. I struggled to say their names. Uh, because that would, uh, I mean, if somebody has an idea, that'd be great. I've got a couple in my head, but, you know, I'll, I'll definitely take input. Oh, this is going to be so fun. This is going to be. He, he got so upset because he was like, fair game, fair game. And then it was like, oh, I'm, oh, just be ready. Like, this man was so upset that I chose Calvin Ridley. Jacob Lemonier, our guy, has chimed in. What are you, Matt? A Dallas Stars fan? Nah. Nah. Washington Capitals through and through. I have three jerseys, and I've actually attended a Washington Capitals game. Granted, they played in Dallas, but still got to see them in person. Um, so, yeah, definitely a, uh, a Washington Capitals fan. Uh, Ovechkin is my dude, and I'm ready to watch him break Wayne Gretzky's goal record of 894. T chimed in earlier on the game hotline asking about Jawan Johnson and the, the LCA product, Jawan Johnson. And if he has a future at LSU. I can't rule that out at all. I can't. You, you, you can't, can't rule that out at all. Is it going to be as a quarterback? No. No. I have a strong feeling that Jawan Johnson's going to play DB in the NFL. Ooh. I mean, not in the NFL, in, in college. <laughs> I mean, but... I mean, hey, maybe in the NFL. Hey, if, if he gets that far, I mean, shoot, why not? I think he's going to play DB in, in college. I, I think he's got that makeup. He, he's a shorter, faster DB at 5'11". Maybe maybe a roaming safety kind of kind of guy. Um, kind of like a Tyron Matthews, just let him do what he yeah, wants. Kind of. Just let him use his freak ability to make plays. I could definitely see that being being his makeup, um, but he's got an offer from just about every big time program in America right now: Alabama, Colorado, Florida State, Florida, Georgia, LSU, Nebraska, Oklahoma, Ole Miss, Oregon, Tennessee, Texas, A and M. You name it, he's he's got his pick of of top programs in America. Um, so definitely looking forward to seeing what Jawan Johnson's able to do as a senior at LCA and then beyond in his college and eventually his pro career. But we'll take a timeout here on Crunch Time. He's actually, now, now that we're talking about it, he is down to three. He's down to Florida, LSU, and Colorado. 
And according to his Twitter page, he's making his decision this Saturday at LCA at 10.30 a.m. So if you want to head to the LCA Sportsplex to witness his decision. Not 10.29? No, not 10.29. 10.30 a.m. What about 10.31? I mean, if he if he's fashionably late, maybe. Maybe. He's just kind of like do what some others do nowadays where they're like, oh, I grabbed this hat. Oh, I got full. Psych! He could he could be Joe Shiesty, show up a minute or two late. Just like, but he has like all of his hats, and it takes like two Correct. minutes for him to make a decision. Correct. Or he's got like five different jerseys on. Those just those throws guys. you for a loop. It's like, what's the point? Those guys always drive me crazy. It's annoying. It's like just pick your hat. Just, just wear your jersey. Just right. <laughs> Let, let's let's get it over with. We're not here for a thirty minute spectacle. Right. Just right. let's go. Just Come tell on. us tell us where you're playing so we can talk about it. Come on, you're one of like a million five stars. Come on. Koki Riley joins us next to talk LSU men's basketball. You're listening to The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Slings it far side. Stingley steps inside the receiver and picks it off. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. A shot to left field. Going back on its Gordon. He'll look up at the goner. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. The LSU men's basketball team looking to avoid loss number nine in a row on the season as they travel up to Columbia, Missouri to take on the Missouri Tigers in a contest that begins at 8 p.m. Missouri winning their last two games, including a dominating 17-point win of Iowa State. Cokie Riley of the Daily Advertiser joins us here on the game. Hotline Cokie, thanks for taking the time, man. How are you? Thanks for having me on again. So looking at this team, obviously, you know, the expectation for Matt McMahon in year one was not sky high. Uh, You knew that it was going to take some time for them to make that adjustment to the SEC, especially bringing a lot of guys from Murray State like he did. But I don't think that people expected, you know, when you went 11-1 and in non-conference and then you started the SEC play with a big win over Arkansas – I don't think many people expected an eight-game skid after that. Yeah, um, I, I, I thought that this stretch of games would be tough for them, regardless, just given the fact that you know it's Alabama, it's um, Arkansas twice, it's Tennessee. They, they had a very, very tough uh, start to the rest of the schedule, and I just sort of figured that um, they were probably going to lose the majority of those games, um, to say the least. But I didn't think I didn't not, I did not think they'd win, they'd lose all of them, um, and uh, that really puts them in a bind um, as we enter I guess the final stretch of the season, which is pretty a pretty strange thing to say. Um, but I mean, yeah, you were at the game uh, was it this past weekend, and um, it was it, it's just rough. I mean, this team's this team's this team's these this team's problems are. Um, are fairly obvious, and it's going to take an offseason or two to fix them, I think. Yeah, you know, the the biggest issue, I think, for this team is their lack of offense. Only averaging 66 points a game, you're barely shooting 42% from the field. And when K.J. Williams isn't on, you're really in trouble. I mean, Adam Miller had a nice game against Texas Tech, but that was the first nice game that he's had maybe all season. So, you know, you've really struggled to find consistent offense from this team and to me at least Koki that's been the most glaring issue 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, you just said it. Like, outside of Adam Miller, like, very occasionally, and K.J. Williams usually, but, that, again, he's, it's not a guarantee with him. Um, they don't. They really don't have any other anyone else offensively who can really um, uh, threaten the defense. You know, uh, you would have thought maybe a guy like Tyrell Warren, who was a top warrior recruit, could help out. He's a freshman. Um, Ken Hayes has shown like very very small flashes of um, potentially being a guy who can win off the dribble, but they really don't have anyone who can threaten the rim. And they don't really have anyone who can threat, really be a real threat from the three-point line and um, uh, beat his man off the dribble. So if you're not if you're not forcing the defense to adjust to you at all, then the defense is comfortable. And you can move the ball around all you want. You can set good screens, but if the defense isn't concentrated on one or two guys, or they're you know they're not threatened by the spacing or the lack of spacing that you have. It's going to be hard to score points, and that's just sort of the predicament they're in right now. And, you know, looking at their opponent tonight in Missouri, it's not a great get-right game for, for them. Anytime a team has a player that plays point guard, wears number 24, and his first name's Kobe, you're in trouble. <laughs> yes, that is true. Um, and the, the kind of the amazing thing with this Missouri team is that they've been one of the best offensive teams in the country. I think when I last checked at least a, couple, a few days ago, like, they were top three in the nation in offense, according to Ken Palm. I mean, they are they are a really explosive offensive team. They're probably the best offensive team in in the SEC, um, including Alabama. I think Alabama was like just outside the top twenty, but that was also because they had that um, they had a really surprising loss to Oklahoma during the in the SEC Big Twelve Challenge. So, um, but but yeah, like I, I, I'm I, this Missouri team. They're not very good defensively, so there's a there's a there's a decent chance that LSU can get some. Um, points on the board in this game, but um, but 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 yeah, like it's not like this LSU defense is necessarily locked down either. I mean, they're just they're hovering around 100th in the country on offense, according to Ken Palm. So on, on defense, I should say, on offense they're like 140, 150, something like that. It's it's pretty ugly. Um, but I mean, defensively, they had they put together but they put together some decent game plans, and they've had some moments here and there in the half court. They're not terrible. But they don't have any real stoppers on the defensive end, and their transition defense has been really like appallingly bad at times. So, um, yeah, I mean, this team just uh, this team has personnel issues, and you can't fix that midseason in, in college basketball. So they're just sort of stuck with what they have. You know, looking at the schedule, obviously they're going to play Missouri tonight in Columbia, but then Koki they return home Saturday to take on Alabama again. And you know, you look at Alabama, yeah. a team led by Brandon Miller. Who has had an incredible season? I don't think anybody's going to be able to stop them. I mean, everybody saw what they did to Vanderbilt last night. Whether whether you think Vanderbilt's a good team or not, that was just <laughs> domination. And then obviously, you know, we know LSU lost by forty to them in Tuscaloosa. I mean, I just that that game could get ugly very quickly on Saturday. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, to answer your question of whether can anyone beat Alabama, I don't think there really is a dominant team in college basketball this year. I think everyone sort of has their flaws. There really isn't one team that is like a lockdown top 10 offense, top 10 defense, has a star player who might win national player of the year. They don't, they don't, their roster doesn't really, like there's no team that really, that fits that description. I mean, unless you disagree with me there, but, 
Um, I guess Alabama's fairly close to that. They're, I believe they have a top 10 defense and borderline top 20 offense. Um, they shoot a ton of threes. I really like the way NATO coaches that team. It's spacing, it's pacing. It's fun basketball to watch, and um, he does a really good job of uh, tilting the numbers in his favor um, because of that. So, uh, yeah, like it's Brandon Miller, he's, he's, a, he's definitely a star. He's um, going to be excited to watch him play in the NBA next year. But, um, yeah, I mean, for, when, they, when they play LSU this weekend, it, I, don't, I would be shocked if the game was close. Um, but if we're looking at this Alabama team in sort of the macro, though, um, they have a they have a shot to win the national title. I I really do believe that, but I I don't think it's I wouldn't say it's likely just because I don't think anyone's likely anyone has like a more than likely chance of winning the whole thing. You know what I mean? It's just a lot of teams that are like oh thirty thirty five forty nine forty percent chance of getting there. You know, it's just like there's it's just one of those years where there really isn't one dominant team in college basketball. Yeah. No, absolutely. And, you know, as we start to wrap up, looking at the schedule, obviously you're going to take it one game at a time, right? And it starts with Missouri tonight. But if you're Matt McMahon looking at the schedule, after Saturday, you got to be telling your guys, look, if we can hold on just a little bit longer, there's a couple of winnable games down the backstretch of the season. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. There's Vanderbilt, there's South Carolina, um, Ole Miss. Uh, those are all pretty winnable games, even Georgia. Um, I don't think they're slam dunks as I thought they were, would be heading into the season, but um, they're much more winnable than a lot of the matchups they've had uh, uh, so far this year in SEC play, at least. So, I mean, yeah, there's a pretty good shot they're going to finish the year on a, on, on a hopefully higher note than um, uh, where they're at right now, but I, I don't think they're going to win tonight. I also don't think they're going to beat Alabama. That would be, I think, a win in any of those games would be a real surprise to me, especially in the Alabama game. Then Mississippi State after that, right? Unless I'm mistaken, I think they play Mississippi State right after yeah. that, and that's a good team. Um, they're not, they're not like a tournament shoe in, but at the same time, they're one of the best defensive teams in the country. So it's going to be tough for LSU to score in that game too. So yeah, it's um, yeah, it's. They still have some more tough sledding to go, but you're definitely right that the very end of that schedule is, is pretty soft. Cokie Riley joining us here on the Game Hotline. Cokie, appreciate you as always. Enjoy the game tonight, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Awesome. Thanks so much, Matt. And there he goes, Cokie Riley of the Daily Advertiser. Love getting to chat it up with him. We'll wrap up today's show right after this. This is Crunch Time on the Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. It's another two-for-one deal from AcadianaDeals.com. This Friday, score $50 to the Golf Connection for only $25. bucks. 50 dollars voucher, and you can get it for half the price at AcadianaDeals.com this Friday. $50 to the Golf Connection for only $25. From the Louisiana Raging Cajuns to the latest with the New Orleans Saints and Pelicans. Miguez and Mesh cover it all. I'm not worried. Uh, I think it's something that I can get under control. Now back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. James Mesh, I've got an idea for you. If you're, the, if you're the New Orleans Saints, you had two defensive coordinators. Your defense was the only part about your team that was decent, pretty good. 
most of the year. One of your co-DCs goes to be the defense coordinator at your arch rival. Okay, cool. You stuff Chris Richard. He's been a defensive coordinator with the Cowboys. At one point, he was in some head coaching circles. Just make him the full-time DC and we're rocking and rolling. Not fire him. Nope, let's fire him. Let's part ways with him. No, Mickey Loomis fired him. Why? Out of all of the possible moves that the Saints fan base discussed needing to be made, why was that the move that actually happened? My initial thoughts are maybe Chris Richard moves on because maybe he doesn't like the direction that the team is going in. Maybe he doesn't like so you where, think, where they're trying to go. So you think this was Chris Richard-driven and not the Saints-driven? Probably, yeah. That's that's where I lean. That's interesting. Because the, the way it's being painted, and of course, you know, you can take it whatever way you want to, but it's being painted as if the Saints moved on from him. Which is really questioning, or really questionable, should I say. Unless Mickey Loomis has some plan in the back of his head to make a splash hire a defensive coordinator. Otherwise, I, I just don't see the thought process behind... Again, your your defense being the one constant for again most of the season, and you just let both coordinators walk. That's just an interesting, interesting move, in uh, in my opinion. But looking at the poll question of the day, one final time, what is your reaction to Sean Payton getting traded to the Broncos so far? 38% of you say great because the Saints got picks. 23% say it was good, but we wanted more. 21% say relieved that it was finally over. And then 17% say that they are sad and they wish that he never left. It's obviously tough to, to watch Sean Payton go coach somebody else after everything that, that went down in New Orleans over the 15 years that he was here and, and his first opportunity as a head coach. But again... The Saints getting draft picks at this point was huge. That was priority number one after you know letting that pick go away last year to get Olave. You needed to find a way to recoup that pick. Somebody offered you one. They threw in a second next year. It, it made sense. You 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 make that move. Um, obviously, I wish Sean nothing but the best in Denver with Russ and Bradley Chubb and KJ Hamler and a handful of others. Uh, they've got they've got a good young core over there in uh in Denver. Bradley Chubb's not there anymore. He he got traded to Miami. But I, I think Sean can make some moves there. Again, we talked about the bad year that, that Russ had in twenty twenty two. If anybody's gonna fix Russell Wilson, I really think that it's Sean Payton. So Definitely looking forward to seeing what he's able to do with Russ and that Broncos offense up in Denver. Looking at some things on the schedule for tonight, of course, LSU taking on Missouri at 8 o'clock. You've got some good women's basketball tonight with Ohio State playing Wisconsin. 
you got some good men's basketball as well. Tennessee and Florida battling it out at 6 o'clock. Georgia and Auburn as well in the SEC. NBA matchups, the Nets and the Celtics. James, are, are, are your Celtics going to beat the Nets tonight? I mean, I'm excited for that matchup for sure. That's, it's going to be a good game. 31-19 and 19 are the Brooklyn Nets. 36-15 and 15 are the Boston Celtics. And you know what's interesting about the Nets? We used to make fun of them because they couldn't play defense Correct. at all. But they've climbed up the ranks of defensive rankings. Yeah, I was about to say, they're one of the best defensive teams in the league right it's, now. It's weird. It's like, what's, yeah, what's it's, going on? It's wild. Is this new year, new Nets? I guess the coaching staff change. Maybe yeah. maybe flip some things. They're I like, don't know. Hmm, Steve Nash, you really didn't prioritize defense. Well, I, it's been a long time since Steve Nash played, but... He wasn't like the world's no. greatest defender. No, but it was like so, it. It just felt like they completely ignored it. It's like, look, we'll, we'll give up one twenty, but we're looking to score one twenty one. That uh, that that doesn't really surprise me. That his main focus wasn't defense. No, but it was the fact that it was just so heavily oh, yeah. ignored. It's like yep. you knowing as a basketball player, you know you're an offensive guy, but you know you got to respect and got to work on defense as well. And it just didn't feel like they worked on it all that much. They didn't care. It's like if we can get some steals, cool. You were get some blocks, cool, but we're like a score one twenty five a night. Somebody commented on my Twitter post about the Saints moving on from Chris Richard. Almost makes you wonder if we are tanking. Could the tank for Caleb Williams be on? We'll discuss that tomorrow and much more here on Crunch Time. Thanks to Cookie Riley and Jay Walker for joining us for James Mesh. I'm Matt Miguez. Be safe, be well, hug your mom and them. And we're back tomorrow, four to six, right here on the game. It's 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion Houston Astros. The Zach Gelb Show is up next.